Welcome to episode 8 of the Clax Women for Indie podcast. We've had another week of being out and about all over the place, so we're going to tell you about that in a moment. But first... Did anybody spot our secret mission? If you missed it, have a look at hashtag YYesScotland, either on Twitter or their Facebook page, and you'll see both Lorraine and myself immortalised as part of the Portraits of a Nation project. But the next time I go on a secret mission, I'm going to take a comb. Welcome to the Beaumont Community Cafe in Alloa, where Clax Women for Indie will be answering questions on a range of topical subjects. Lynn, what was it like being in the audience of BBC Debate Night's programme from Stirling this week? First of all, I had seen it online that you could apply, so I applied to go on Debate Night. Didn't hear anything more until... Tuesday when I got a phone call from Caitlin at the BBC who said it's actually full up but sometimes people pull out so can we put you on the reserve list and then on the Wednesday I got a phone call of places come up she gave me details about you know turn up register between six and seven so you arrived go through security with a metal detector here and check your bags and everything Stephen Jardin came into the kind of cafeteria and spoke to everybody and explained sort of roughly how it goes. He said, this is your opportunity if you've got something that you're really burning to get out of there. He says, put your hand up. He says, keep your hand up. I'll try to get around as many people as possible. Um, so then you go into the actual theatre part that's set up as a studio. So hot because of all these lights on you. And they have a kind of run-through. So they, put, they picked audience members to come down and play it being a panel and the kind of floor manager takes the role of Stephen Jardin and kind of plays it and gets people to talk. So he explains how if you're getting asked to make a point, he said the room will come over your head. He said, don't look up, everybody looks up. So all these wee things, it was just interesting from that point of view. And then people had submitted questions. I'd submitted questions when I got there, but actually they obviously go through all the questions because no doubt people have come up with similar questions. So they kind of picked four or five questions to ask during the show. He found where those people were in the audience so that the, the cameras knew where they were coming to the audience, took them off, gave them their question back on a bit of paper so they had their question to read. And then basically Stephen Jarden came out and we did the kind of titles and we had to do all the clapping. They also should tell you how to clap. So the floor managers, I'll have my hands up like this and when I lower them like this, you kind of cease the clapping <laughs> just for the start and the end. But they also tell you that you, clapping is your form of letting people know. And, and one guy saying, can we make noises like... <laughs> It's not a pantomime, it was what they said. Um, but there was there was one point I, when Alexander Stewart was speaking and Stephen Jarden said, 
people are laughing at you with the comments he was coming out. So he picked up on that. I thought he was very good yes. as a competitor. Yeah, to, to pull in different elements of things. Um, and then the show basically begins. And I don't think it came across as well on the television, but when it came to things that were, were clearly of an independent vein, there was much more applause for that than there was for remaining as part of the of the union. And you don't know who you're sitting beside. I didn't know if I was sitting next to someone who was a, a unionist or, you know. Yeah, he got a question. And Lloyd was very good. He, is he, he good, was yeah. very good. Hi, Lloyd. Um, <laughs> You didn't get to ask your question on the show, but what would you have asked? We were, we were going to ask um, in any future general election, what were the likelihood of there being any Tory MPs in Scotland? <laughs> well, I think we know the answer to that one. <laughs> but also to say that, um, you know, the way it's looking in England, swing to the, to the right, and with these right-wing parties, if they take control of England, what are they going to do, the Scottish and the Welsh governments? Mm-hmm. I've had five Conservative leaflets in. Five? From last Monday, yep. One being the questionnaire that goes back to the control tower and schooner. The control tower! But Is he making a quick Williams exit? does not say that he's a Scottish Conservative. It doesn't. David Powers has said, and I, I retweeted, somebody tweeted that, and I retweeted it onto the Electoral Commission saying, surely you have to put what party you represent. Now, don't expect them to respond to me, but how is that acceptable? Luke Graham, press officer, has resigned. I'm not surprised. Just had to get rid of a whole load of leaflets that... Him claiming that he's single-handedly done the city deal, and um, and he's had to withdraw them all. And that awful intervention on Dominic Grieve at Westminster, when he was was actually so rude. But he was also the the argument was that because you haven't killed anybody and risen up in armed conflict, your view isn't worth. Irresponsible to have consent. Yeah, and luckily Dominic Grieve just wiped the floor with him. Was there any point, Lynn, that you felt the urge to kind of launch into a tirade? Because the last question was about Harry and Meghan, do they want to have their cake and eat it too? And Are they still a thing? He came back and said, he said, I'm really not interested in the Royals. And that probably got the biggest round of applause of the night. And then young Robbie McIntosh, um, he finished up, he said, you know, he was quite sort of enraged and this is ridiculous and Scotland demands a better mainstream media and we're better off served as a Puna Republic. And that was how the show ended. Finished, yeah. So that was the inside scoop on debate night discussions. We're really enjoying our Friday mornings at the Bomar. We're, we're there from about 10.30 every Friday. And it's really nice to start getting to know some of the, the local people who use it, some of the, the community round about it. And the people who run the Bomar have been very welcoming. They're very happy to have us there. We're supporting the community cafe. And 
they are more than happy for us to continue having discussions with with the people who use the cafe encouraging people to register to vote show them how to get registered to vote i think building those local relationships is very important and actually very useful going forward so if anybody's not sure how their their local community center might feel about them spending some time there as a group and just being available to to get involved in discussions um, why don't you try it and, and see what kind of response you get you might be pleasantly surprised And speaking of, you might be pleasantly surprised, I came across a YouTube video this week and it's about four years old. It goes back to the campaign in Ireland for the marriage equality referendum. It's a short film that was made by the Trinity College Dublin Students' Union and it's very simple. It's really well done. It's called the hashtag ring your granny campaign. The idea was that students would ring their grannies or in some cases their grandpas and just have a conversation with them about how they might vote in the upcoming referendum. Now, this really got me thinking that the group that we know are least likely to be voting yes in an independence campaign are also grannies, um, people over 55, particularly women over 55. As we appear to be getting very close to firing the starting gun on on IndyRef 2020, if we could get a campaign where young people undertook to phone their granny and have just have a chat to them about how they might be thinking about voting in the independence referendum and what it might mean to that young person for their life chances going forward. If you want to actually watch the short film, I think it's really well worth watching. If you just go onto YouTube and search for Ring Your Granny, you'll see the actual advert. But I think you get the idea of it just from this clip that I'm about to play you. Hey, Granny! Yes, Jordan, how are you? Okay. Hello, Papa. Hello. Hi, Mum. Hello. Well, Nan, how are you? Okay. Alright. Hi, Mum. Hello. Hi, Dad. Hey, Dad. Jordan, how are you? Uh, are you free to talk? How do you feel people like your friends would vote for it? Because I know that, like, my friends, like, would definitely vote in favour of it because they're much younger. No. Yeah. No, my age group wouldn't Do you think you'll vote for it? Do you think you'll vote, vote for it? I yeah. Will. Yeah, I'll vote for it. Yeah, I vote for it. I will. You want my honest opinion? I have no issues with it whatsoever. Um, and we just, I know, we're just asking our family, like, what they reckon. I mean, what way they might go, you know? Well, you know, I vote for it. I know, but like, we just want to check. I'll check later. <laughs> Whereas, like, in today's media, like, it's kind of always, it's always yeah, mentioned. Yeah. So. Murder, yeah, Veronica. Veronica. If I know a person genuinely and uh, that, that that was the way they felt, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go against that because I, I don't think that would be fair. So, uh, am I to assume that in the referendum you'll be voting yes? Oh, jeez, yes. If someone.
someone wants to be with someone, um, yeah, yeah. regardless of, of, of why they why they're uh, attracted to one yeah. person over another, and yeah. why not just allow that to happen and allow people the same rights? You know. I know. That means an awful lot, that. Maybe to Dolan to just uh, let people not be self-conscious about, you know, even, you know, having a, a few words on the subject. Well, when I was first coming out, I was kind of scared, kind of telling my granny, so I actually got my mom to, my mom said, I said to her, you know, Kieran's gay, and then my granny paused for a second and just went, well, he's still Kieran. When you put actual human face on it, it becomes like less of a like us versus them thing. It's actually just a human person that you know you love unconditionally. I think we can uh, kind of be quick to jump to conclusions about elderly people and their opinions, and I think we should afford older people that respect and opportunity, you know, to actually have a dialogue and actually speak about the subject. So I think why that, that, that's why this campaign is very important to actually you know ring your granny and actually have the conversation. She might surprise you, and it might be turn out better than you think. Such a simple idea, but I love that uh, point they make at the end. Put a human face on it and afford older older people the respect to have a dialogue about it and they might surprise you. So any young folk out there, any young uh, Yes supporters who want to get going and are looking for a campaign, definitely go and have a look at that advert. And maybe why not get in touch with uh, Trinity College Dublin Students' Union and see what they can tell you. They might be able to um, help you mount a campaign for the independence movement. I was um, direct this week from the Radisson Blue Hotel in Glasgow for the RIC conference, Failing System in a Failing State. Very interesting discussions, some great speakers, lots of um, ideas being thrown around, some of them a little bit radical, some of them very radical. Um, I didn't agree with everything I heard, have to say, but there were certainly some ideas that I want to find a bit more about. The highlights for me were some of the speeches. So I'm going to play you um, just two of those speeches that we heard. One from Carla Ponsetti, what a powerful speaker. We all held up posters of solidarity with the Catalonian um, MPs who were imprisoned for holding a referendum. And that was filmed by Catalonian TV just to send us a, a message of, of solidarity. And then the other speech I'm going to play was is the wonderful Leslie Riddick, who I just always find so inspirational. Independence Live were, of course, live streaming the event. So if you want to watch the whole thing and some of the breakout rooms, it's all there on Independence Live live stream. Get it through their Facebook page as well. Um, if you're watching Independence Live live stream or Facebook, do like it, do share it. Make sure we can get the message out as widely as we can. Uh, thank you very much for having me here today. Um, I mean, as already mentioned, a hundred years, a hundred years for organizing a referendum, a hundred years for leading peaceful demonstrations in Barcelona. A hundred years is a death sentence. 
it's a death sentence for Spanish democracy. Yeah. And we Catalans, we're not sinking with that Titanic. We're going on our own. We're back. After two years following our independence referendum in 2017, some thought that it was over, but it's not. We're back. We're back stronger than we were on that 1st of October 2017. Why do I say that we're back and we're stronger? Because if you look at the images, if you follow the news, our youth, our youth are out on the streets. They are not going to tolerate this. They have realized that if they accept this, they'll have to live in an autocracy for the rest of their lives. And they are not going to settle for that. I'm an optimist, and I'm more optimist than ever for seeing all these young people, because their under is our hope. Yes. <laughs> but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a long struggle. People are on the streets. They're going to be on the streets for weeks, for months, who knows how long. But we must persist, and we shall overcome. And what is the reaction of Perdogan Sanchez? What is the reaction? Just violence, more arbitrary arrests. They arrested seven people on invented charges, they took them to Madrid, they are being hijacked in isolation cells in a prison of Madrid, they cannot communicate with their families, their rights are being ignored. It's, it's a total abuse of this type of law, and they fill their mouths with, with doing this because of the law. This is an outrage. The action of the police in Barcelona in the last past days, you've seen it. You know, it's, it's been the most vicious attack on people who were just expressing their democratic will. We have, you know, like 40 new people arrested, <coughs> young people. Very young people. Andrea, Xenia, Paula, they are 20 year old girls in jail in Barcelona right now because they were in the demonstrations last week. We need to get them out. This is unacceptable in democratic Europe, for God's sake. Democracy 
is being fought. You know, the future of democratic Europe, what is the front, what is the trench for the future of democratic Europe right now? That is again, as in other times in history, that is happening in Barcelona, in Catalonia right now. So please, all Democrats, Scots have been extremely supportive of the Catalan democratic cause. You will continue to be so, but you know, don't, don't fail us now. We need to keep up this struggle. We need to support the people who are sitting on the airports, the people who are sitting on the roads, the people who will be doing all kinds of actions to call the attention of the world and to get us down to a democratic solution. What do we want? Democracy. It's very simple. We want three things. Only three things. We don't want police violence. We want, you know, the colonial police forces, the Guardia Civil, back to Spain. We don't want them in Catalonia. Get out of Catalonia.
Because to be able to move forward to the new Scottish state that we will create, we have to undo and unthink the Britishness within. Now, unfortunately, no matter how hard you try, the pesky stuff's there. Unless you've spent a lot of time living in another country, or you've been fortunate enough to have people in your family who are from another civilization, let's get to it, um, then you really have a lot of British defaults. And all of us in groups and individually have been struggling to remove them. And you know, it's astonishing where we've got to, and it's worth saying. I see in all the time I've been banging on about things Nordic, because I've been lucky to spend some of my time in Nordic countries, and I've seen how people have begun to notice that the mainstream of Nordic society would be regarded as unbelievably left-wing here. And we need to keep reminding ourselves unthinking British norms. They're not good enough for us to aspire to. They're not good enough for us to settle back into thinking we have just been a bit better than. We need to get our latitude, get our demography, get the potential of countries beside us who have been able to follow a different path. And I think we're beginning to think that way a lot, which is an extraordinary thing to have been able to do. Unthinking British norms, we can't get anywhere until we bucket the lot of them. We've also been able to unthink passivity. Now, coming and living as we do in a feudal society, which only a formally abolished feudalism in 2003. That is quite a blooming achievement. Because even if you country folk who have been in cities for generations, they came from the land, and they understood the pecking order of Scotland. It was hierarchical, it was feudal, and the people who ran your lives were never your own folk. That is a formidable set of minds, braces to be able to kind of unlock. And yet people, in the activism that is embodied in this room, people have thrown off that learned passivity. And it's happening all over Scotland. I'm lucky enough to bounce around the place. You are replicated in meetings all over this country in the most unlikely places. Passivity is something we have unlearned. Um, other unthinkings? Well, we've unthought party domination, Begora. <laughs> There'll be folk in here who are members of parties, and they do. But the idea that parties are tremendous blue-sky thinking machines is, I think, exposed as generally not true, although I see Colin there, and actually, if we'd only got the free public transport that he was, and the social, Scottish Socialists were advocating <laughs> 20 years ago, Position now about about the green revolution we need to undertake. So, 
Uh, but the, the idea that parties, um, the big parties, are the ones which of their own volition will come up with the big ideas we need, no, no, no. That's not how it works, and speaker after speaker has made that clear. Any changes there's been has been through a rejection of the idea that marketised solutions is good enough for Scotland. It hasn't worked anywhere else. The default is destructive, and it's destructive of hope. That's the worst thing that it destroys. When people all over Scotland, whether it's on land, on rural housing, on all sorts of stuck problems, are seeing the same sort of uh, inadequate solutions being pumped out that they already know don't work. So we need to unthink ourselves from this kind of blind obedience that parties have had in Scotland. That is one hell of an achievement. Everyone sitting here today is testimony to it. Um, I'm thinking how we show strength. In the days when uh, we started off a lot of this, there would rarely be female speakers. There was a big rethinking during the independence referendum when the gender gap was exposed. And although it's a bit uh, not very kind of, it's not the thing that generally happens, I'd like to pay tribute to all the men who learned to put a sock in it. <laughs> I think everybody in the room can appreciate the difference in feeling that there is now in events, where genuinely we're not there yet, but the kind of empowerment of people is something readily understood. You can't get where you're going by shouting louder. Now, you know, a good bit of shout is all right on marches and so on, but look at the marches in microcosm, and do, do you know, it moves me to tears to see the new Scotland emerging in every little gesture, every little bit of help that's given to the person who obviously is a bit less able-bodied. Every person in a wheelchair who's leathered up the cobbles of the Royal Mile or just cannily realise they need to park themselves outside a shop and folk made space for them and move the bins. All of that, those little things, the dugs. The poor ticket dugs. <laughs> Lovingly set inside people's jackets. Who cared if you got muddy or dirty? It didn't matter. All of these little things. I've got a friend who is an arch unionist, I have to say, who was in the Royal Mile and said he too was moved to tears by the small interactions he saw between people creating a new society. Strength, not about how hard you shout, not about aggression. Strength by demonstrating the care for one another, the gentleness that we could never know in this country because we always had to look hard. This is an extraordinary unthink to have achieved. And the level of peacefulness in our demonstrations is phenomenal and matches Catalonia. So unthinking plenty has happened. There's a kind of unthinking that we've been doing here today as well, which I suppose is unthinking um, the one big solution. What I think is happening is there are definitely a thousand flowers blossoming within the movement. And lots of people have spoken very eloquently about this. It seems to me that we have a sort of new distributed yes campaign. 
I'm not sure that any one organization of the many excellent ones that are out there will end up sort of in a sense becoming top dog. Um, of course, the list is kind of long, you don't need me to go through it. In fact, as well, Business for Scotland are about to launch a big campaign in the next two weeks, which will take another tilt at the same issue. So that maybe is the way things are going. The idea that there is one central diktat, although it's kind of, we need to have some element of coordination, especially if we're moving into a phase of civil disobedience, which seems entirely right to me. But the beauty of it would be that it is disseminated through the organizations that have naturally grown up the way they are, rather than having to be curried into something new that perhaps doesn't fit Aberdeen. One thing I would love to see is a national federation of yes groups. It strikes me that that is the one. People might think, oh, oh my God, not another blooming organization of something. And I know there are enough around. But I think the yes groups have a different kind of contribution to make, a different voice, literally, a working class voice, which needs to be heard because far too often what will come next the spokespeople of this movement come from a different kind of background. We need everybody represented. And I had a sort of rush of blood to the head, as some of you might have noticed, after a particularly appalling fringe meeting at the SNP conference, um, in which complacency was so large that I kind of blew a gasket and observed that the only thing the SNP seems to take notice of is electoral challenge. And being the kind of person who never really knows when to just stop at that point, I did say uh, that there probably needs to be a party to challenge the SNP next time around on all the inadequacies of their policies. And if And if nobody else is prepared to do it, then I'll do it. Now. Let me say, I kind of want to do that like a hole in the head. I like my life. And actually, the longer I've spent thinking about it, the more I really do appreciate the politicians. Because who would be walled up alive inside structures and Hollywood with all the kind of difficulties those things present? And yet. We have got a movement here, and actually we need to flex that muscle well, because what occurred to me finally was an example that was staring me in the face, and I should have known, because I brought this speaker over to Scotland. Um, she was a Swedish speaker, and they changed Swedish politics by not becoming a party. Um, five women organised themselves into a group. I won't give you the Swedish for it, but in translation, it's the support stockings. <laughs> what they decided to do, this was 1991, you might find this extraordinary, but at that point, Swedish politics was dominated by men. You can hardly believe that now, it is the most feminized society probably on earth. It wasn't then. And they decided what they would do is threaten to create a women's party unless quotas were adopted by every political party. Again, perhaps quite unbelievably, they all lost their jobs over this. They were absolutely marginalized and got palters throughout the five years that they had pledged themselves to do this. But by the end of it, every political party had gender quotas. 
Now, I merely offer this up as a thought. And the movement is strong, almost like a cloud is powerful, in that we are not pinned down within one vessel, one particular form of thinking, one place that has to have lots of money spent on it with staff. You know, there's a great strength to the distributed movement that we represent. But perhaps as we move forward and think about the need for civil disobedience in very canny, controlled ways, we should be thinking too that one piece, perhaps the ultimate piece of civil disobedience, is to openly speculate and perhaps commit ourselves to the need for a different political party that will stand first past the post in 2021 if certain progress isn't made. I don't know if that's what we need to do, but I think we should at least consider it. But the main thing I would like to leave you with is just the degree of incredible unthinking of what was not possible that has gone on since we all last met and which keeps happening. We're never going away. The old things that used to divide us, the old identities we used to have, those things are no longer more powerful than the things that brought you through the door today. That will never change. And it is the most beautiful thing in many, many aspects of politics in Scotland. The fact we've allowed that beauty to be maintained is quite something in the face of everything we've faced so far. So let's keep that, let's get tough, but let's get very, very organized across the whole of the movement to move forward into something that is more urgent than anything we're seeing from government. Thank you. Wow. Hope you agree. Two very powerful speeches there. Um, right, so that's just about us at the end of our podcast for this week. Um, I haven't even been able to cover the Citizens' Assembly. It was happening this weekend. There is a live stream, though, on their website, which is citizensassembly.scot. And then what's next? The next biggie is the 2nd of November. So that's next Saturday, 1.30 till 3.30. Big rally hosted by the National Newspaper, at which... Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, will be appearing. So that's in Freedom Square in Glasgow, 1.30 next Saturday. Hope to see you all there. Bye now.